Hi, everybody. It's good to be here this morning. Good morning. Wakey, wakey. <laughs> Eggs and bakey. <laughs> there you go. All right, we're ready. Who else in here could just stay in that place of worship all day long? That was just impactful, wasn't it? <laughs> there were a couple of lines in that last uh, song that they were singing that uh, really are the message today. And uh, one is, uh, was about how the Lord stirs up in us and uh, He does in our lives. And He brings us to a place of peace. And the other was in our identity. It was talking about, I know who I am because who you've said that I am. And that's the truth. So our identity and the, our ability to allow the Lord to bring us to a place of peace in every situation and for us to see the good in every situation uh, are directly related to each other. Our identity has to be right in the Lord for us to come to that place in every situation and for the Lord to give us peace. Now, God started to speak to me this morning when I got up about expectation. We're in a time right now uh, where we're in a place of expectation. And Amber and I are uh, getting ready to work on a new uh, video session now, and we're going to shake things up and do a few things differently. Uh, myself, I'm going to do some filming out on our land and in nature. That's something that I feel drawn to and the Lord uses in my life to speak to me a lot. So uh, as you guys follow some of our adventures and stuff uh, on the new show, you'll be able to see that. But it got me to thinking, and I thought, you know, what is it that I love so much about adventures and about going outdoors and, and uh, spending time outdoors and doing adventurous things? And uh, the Lord said, it's about the expectancy. It's like when you get up at four o'clock in the morning and you're going on a hunt or you're going fishing or you're going to go on a hike or whatever the case is, when you go into nature, you kind of always find something. You don't know what it's going to be, but there's always something there. And it's that anticipation of not knowing, you know, what the day is going to bring that gets me excited. It'll keep me up at night. Sometimes I'll step, stay up thinking, and my wife will tell you, <laughs> I'll sit up at night thinking about what the next day is going to bring. Well, as a body, we're in a place of expectation right now. We're going into Pentecost. We've had Passover, and we're going into Pentecost. And I want to read you the verse that the Lord showed me this morning. He brought to, to mind Isaiah 61 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. There's another uh, translation of that in the New Living Translation that says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises and it shines upon you. So last time I checked, uh, the sun still rises in the east, right? So does Judah go first? God's people go first. Lord, we just thank you for that right now, that as you're bringing us into this time of expectancy of what the next season holds for us, Lord, of the miracles, the wonders, the personal things that you're going to do in our lives that will allow us to walk forward in your way, Father. We just thank you that your light shines upon us. We ask that you teach us to greet each day, Lord, in your light, to honor your people and allow them to go first, Lord, to watch the work that you're doing in the earth, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I said hi to Robert when I walked in here uh, this morning, shook his hand, and he said, I get a break today. <laughs> I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for everything that you do here in this house, Robert. We want to honor you.
You know, uh, when Amber and I were in Jerusalem, uh, we were responsible for weekly meetings a couple of weeks for a couple of years. And uh, if you haven't ever done that before, you don't realize how much that takes. It's something that's a discipline. It's a sacrifice. But the Lord honors those who do. So we want to thank you for that, Robert. I remember my journey uh, with the Lord teaching me how to look at every day and find the good in that day and allow him to teach me through whatever was going on in my life. Uh, Goes back all the way to when I first got started in law enforcement. So I've shared a couple of those stories before, but I'm going to hit on a couple of them again today. Uh, When I first got started, Amber remembers, I'd have to get up at four o'clock every morning to go to work. And when I'd get up, I'd have to completely shave, completely iron all of my uniforms. There was an hour's worth of work to do before I'd get in the car and go. And if you're tired in the mornings like I am, uh, sometimes the things that you say when you wake up at four o'clock in the morning aren't the prettiest thing. (laughs) Let a few bad words slip probably from time to time. But uh, I'd wake up every morning, I'd roll over and go, oh man, I have to get up again at four o'clock in the morning. I hate this. Maybe I'll find a new job or go another direction in my life or or get a new schedule. Something, something's got to change. Well, after that had gone on for several months, the Lord stopped me one morning and he said, I want you to stop doing that. You're going to start speaking positively over your day when you wake up in the morning before the sun ever comes up. Amen. His light shines us, and the glory of the Lord manifests. So I began to speak positively every day when I would wake up before I'd go to work. And the other thing that the Lord showed me during that period of time was uh, jealousy. Jealousy is something that will really hold you back in your life and your walk with the Lord and your ability to hear what the Lord has for you in your day. I had a guy that came in from the military uh, when I worked at the jail over here in Dayton County. Uh, he worked for three months and then got promoted ahead of me into a patrol position. And I'd been there for over a year and, you know, uh, was ready to, to apply for that job as well. But um, the Lord stopped me right then and he said, you have a choice. You can become jealous because someone else came in and they got a job before you did. Or you can trust me and I'll put you in the right job at the right time. So I saw the good in that, and then about six, eight months later, I got that job. The Lord took me where he wanted me to be in the right timing. But there are certain things in our, uh, in our life we have to allow the Lord to use, even though it, it looks negative at the time, we have to allow the Lord to step in and begin to speak to us through that. And if we don't, we'll miss all kinds of things that the Lord wants to show you to get you to the place that you're supposed to be. Remember that the power of life and death is in your tongue, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. We hear that all the time. If you begin to speak positively over your day, you'll see a positive outcome. The Lord will reach into your life and begin to work things out that you never would have thought you would have seen, never imagined, and couldn't have seen coming. God's ways are not our ways. He has a higher way for us. A lot of times what we see in our life doesn't look positive. We can look at it and go, I'm going down a dead-end road. I feel stuck. How many of you in here have felt stuck at some point this year? Even if it was only for a month or two, you felt stuck. You didn't know how to take the next step or where you were headed. If we trust God with our identity and the will that he has to take us where he wants to get us, what happens in between doesn't matter as much. It's where he wants to get us. 
Amen? As I did that, I began to watch some of the things that the Lord did uh, in my job out in Salina. I was a police officer out there for another five years after I left the sheriff's office. And I began to see supernatural things happen that could have only been God. And it really re-sparked my walk with the Lord. I've been a believer since I was a child. But there are seasons in my life that I've walked much closer with the Lord. And those are the seasons where I learned something about his character, about how he acts in our life and the things that he does to get us where we need to be. One day I was driving along. uh, I I started praying with another officer that was out there during that time also. We'd stop before every shift and have a prayer meeting before we'd go out and work. And almost like clockwork, things began to happen that were unexplainable. He would find people driving down the road and he said he'd see the car light up and go pull them over and the car would be full of drugs. This happened so often with this other officer that I was working with that the, they thought he was planting things on people. <laughs> I know he wasn't because I worked right there with him and I saw it happen. Try telling your supervisor that. Uh, they had a car accident out there one time. There was a little white car, 23-year-old babysitter and four babies in the car. She blew a stop sign and got T-boned by a pickup truck, and it pushed the car across the road and flipped upside down in a ditch. And if you've ever looked at a ditch before uh, that has like a metal grate in it over water to keep anything from falling into the water, this car came down upside down on top of that grate. All four of these babies, I think the oldest one was three years old, were thrown out of the car. They fell through that grate into the water and kept the car from coming down on top of them. I called four helicopters out there and landed them in the field and flew them all to Parkland in Dallas. Bumps and bruises. Everybody walked away. We began to pray for our city every morning. Every morning we'd lay down that foundation of prayer like clockwork. The Lord would put us in the right place at the right time. Lord, we just thank you for your ability to see and know what we don't see and know, to put us in the right place at the right time. We repent for our attitude towards daily circumstances when we think we're going through something, but you're trying to carry us through something. Lord, I just decree right now, and I thank you that your will would be done in every life in this room, Father, that as we begin to walk this way, We follow you every day and speak positively about our day. Every day we'll begin to see the good in every day, no matter what our circumstances are. I've got a few verses I want to share with you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. That goes back to what I was saying earlier. Our ways are not his ways. He sees what we can't see. Anxiety is an interesting thing. Anybody in here ever had problems with anxiety? There's a few hands out there. Amber and I have a new dog that uh, we got recently. We got three puppies, which, by the way, don't do that. Get them one at a time. Please, please get them one at a time. (laughs) one of these dogs is anxious and uh, you can see it on him. He wears it and it allowed me an opportunity to kind of really see what that looks like. I've known people that were anxious before, but it's just not as pronounced. (laughs) But when we see that and we allow the Lord to begin to root that out of us, 
then it slows us down. It gives us that peace and we begin to see things differently. But uh, this dog, <laughs> first I talked about jealousy earlier. Like if we put food outside the house and put this dog outside with the food, he'll sit there and look at the food and wait for the other dog to come outside so he can gloat over the bowl, bite him a couple of times and then eat the food. If we pet the other dog, we'll look at this dog and he'll run to the other corner of the room, cut us a sneaky little look and pee on the furniture. (laughs) But it's like this tick. It's like every time we're paying attention to one of the other dogs, this one throws a fit. So uh, that's what we're working out in our home. But, uh... (laughs) But the word says, do not be anxious about anything. The Lord will guard your heart. In every season, it says through the end of the age, at whatever season you're in, the Lord will guard your heart if you let anxiety go and you step into the way that he has for you and begin to seek him every day. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you might discern what is the will of God and what is God's acceptable and perfect this has a lot to do with discernment in our identity. When we step into that that way, we begin to just see what the Lord wants us to discern from day to day. And again, it kind of slows us down. We talked about that earlier. There's a point where you have to get your spirit still and you have to get settled enough to discern what's right in front of you. And that's part of what allows us to look at a bad situation and go, Lord, you're speaking to me through that bad situation. It's not comfortable to not be able to pay my taxes this week, but what are you trying to show me? It's not comfortable to babysit a dog all day long, but what are you trying to show me? (laughs) Is it my own sin of bringing three puppies home at one time? (laughs) We're going to talk about identity. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, this is his disciples, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you even until the end of the age. That's what our identity is. That's what the Lord spoke over our identity. He was speaking to his disciples, but he was speaking to all of us. Go forth and make disciples of all nations. So as you walk through your life and you come into contact with people, even if you're having a bad day, always remember what our call is, what our ultimate identity is, and you'll be secure in who you are. Because if you walk that way, all of a sudden the goal is what matters and not so much how you get there. Lord, we just thank you that you have secured our identity in you. That we know who we are because you told us who we are. We thank you for your commission, Lord, and your calling. I just pray that you would establish that in each person here today. That our calling would become so a part of us that it's what matters. That everything else around us just becomes calm and we see how to take the next step from one day to the next. Because I know and I have an expectancy that you'll begin to work in our lives. Amen. There are some things that we have to give to the Lord along the way that will prevent you from getting at peace. 
getting to the point where you can discern and hear the Lord in every circumstance. And jealousy, I already talked about, that's one of them. That's a big one. The Lord needs to root that out of you nice and early in your life (laughs) so you can keep moving forward. (laughs) Unforgiveness is another one. If you have somebody, and we're going to ask to uh, pray for everybody here after a while on this specifically, but if you have somebody in your life that you haven't forgiven, you need to ask the Lord right now going into this next season. Say, Lord, I'm expectant of what you're going to do in this next season, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss out on being a part of it. So put your finger on everything in my life that I have to let go of that will allow me to walk with you step by step and day by day. Even if today looks bad, tomorrow looks different. The next day looks better. Expectancy. Just take a moment and ask the Lord to show you to put his finger on that. Whatever that one thing is that's held you back. We can't hold on to the way that the world sees every circumstance. Because the mindset is completely different from the Lord's mindset. So if we wake up today and there's all kinds of swirl and bad things and confusion going on around us, and we come into agreement with that, our agreement is an enmity with God. There's a verse here that uh, I wanted to show you guys. In James 4.4, 4, um, he's speaking to all different kinds of sinners. This particular verse is um, addressed to adulterers. But it says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? This is something that we really have to watch going into this season. Because the world's not going to speak life over your, your future. What the world will do is say, prove it. If you want to get there, prove it. There's no grace in that, only law. So as we walk forward, we have to understand that we can't come into agreement with everything that the world says. Lord, we just pray for your discernment and your wisdom. That everything that's swirling, all the confusion that the enemy tries to bring into our generations, into our lives, we just give that to you right now, Father. We're not going to come into agreement with that. As we live with an expectancy that your light will shine on us. We're not going to come into agreement with what the world says. We're going to do what you ask us to, Lord, but we're not going to work too hard for it because it's supernatural. You're going to move in our lives to get us where we need to be. That's expectancy. Maybe I'm a little slow this morning, but hey, I'm up here. This is going to be the best sermon that I ever give. Next week's going to be a better one. That's expectancy. Lord, just rise up in us as a body. Bring us to a place of expectancy where we speak light, we speak life, and we watch your hand intervening on our behalf. We're talking a little bit about a spirit of confusion. If you flip the news on right now or you pay any attention to what the world's doing, there's been a spirit of confusion introduced into our society and into our culture that's purpose is to destroy our future. Okay? Our children represent our future. That's why you see all of these controversial things that pop up in the news going on in schools. Lord, you're the protector of the generations. And you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Your truth is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 
Lord, we just pray right now and decree that you would begin to lift the curse against the generations in this nation. In this world, Lord. Matthew 18, 6 says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to tie a millstone around his neck and jump into the sea. Lord, that's your truth. Spoken right here into this earth, into our atmosphere. Woe be unto them that would lead the little children astray. I'll be the first one to say it. Lord, we thank you for the gift of our future and our destiny that we have in our children. Amen. We have to establish an identity of truth in our homes. This starts when you're a child. It started with me when I was a child in my father and mother's home. If I could encourage you to do anything this morning... Begin to instill truth in your children when they're very young and don't let them depart from it. Train them up in the way they should go and they will not depart from it. There's a uh, passage in the Bible here in Mark chapter 9 where uh, Jesus casts out an impure spirit. A father had brought his son to Jesus uh, who was possessed by an unclean spirit, the word says, that would continually throw him into fires and into water. I think everybody here probably knows this story. If you look at what the demonic, the spirit of confusion is doing in our day, he's throwing these children into fires, causing many of them to harm themselves, to want to harm themselves. And it's that same spirit of confusion. See, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The enemy's tactics often are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow also. It may manifest differently in this season than it did in the last season. There's still a spirit of confusion that wants to take your destiny and your future and throw it into a fire. Now, Jesus ministered to this young man and cast the evil spirit out after the disciples had come and said... We can't do it. We can't do anything with him. You're going to have to do it. And then when the disciples questioned Jesus, he said, this one can only come out by prayer and fasting. There's a reason I'm sharing this with you today. The media, we've started to see this in the media. They're picking more and more at the Christian community and anybody who has faith for that matter. You you see these things just coming out. And um, one of the things is, anytime something bad happens a shooting or something like that. The media comes out, or some politician comes out, and they say, your prayers aren't good enough. Prayer doesn't do anything. We need to pass another law. Where's the law gotten you? What world do we live in today? Amen? At some point, the Lord may call you to pray and fast. Because he's going to cast the spirit of confusion out. Out of our life, our society, our culture. Lord, we just say there will be a return to the truth. There will be a return, Father. We want to see your face in our generation, in our lives. We want the righteousness that you've shown us in our days to transfer down from one generation to the next to the next. There has to be a turn.
You ever notice when things are going the worst for you, God speaks to you the strongest? (laughs) You know, we complain sometimes about going through all of these hardships and things that go on in our lives. But the reality is, if you look back over your testimony and think about every time the Lord's really spoken to you, really brought you to a place of revelation, changed your path, and put you back on His path, it was probably not on the best day, was it? Lord, we just thank you that you meet us where we're at. James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into trials, knowing that testing produces patience. We used that one a lot in our book, Joy in the War. Because the Lord brings us to a place of joy in our testings. You're going to be tested. There's no question about it. It doesn't matter who you are, how well off you are, what walk of life. You don't know whether it'll be finances, your health, your children, your dogs. (laughs) You're going to be tested. Matthew 24, 6, Jesus also said, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. These things must happen. So as we see the world around us beginning to swirl in this confusion, it's like watching a tornado get started kind of in it. You see a funnel cloud and it starts to spin. Bad things happen. As we see all of this swirling around us, we have to remember that some things the Lord allows to happen in the earth. It doesn't mean it's a good thing. It doesn't mean that he ordained it or caused it. But the Lord allows certain things to happen in time because it changes our path. Almost every major revival that's been happened during the hard time. If you look back at the history of revivals, Amber and I have spoken on that many times. We had a chance to go to uh, Wales where the Welsh revival happened right before we came back from Israel. And uh, I think that there's a reason that the Lord allowed us to go there and see that and experience being there firsthand. Because... You know, some of us have got to understand what revival looks like. Lord, we just pray for your revelation. We have an expectancy. We want to see you at work, Lord. Show us what a true revival looks like. I want to see it now. I want to see it in my generation. I want to see it before my kids grow up. Bring back your remnant, Father. Jesus said that you'll have tribulation here in the world, but he brings us peace. That's in John 16, I'm going to share one last passage with you and then ask Amber to come on up. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on up, Amber. Lord, we just thank you that you've ordained us and positioned us to dwell in your house. We want to stay in that place of peace. 
I just thank you for the direction you're giving us now in this season with Pentecost coming up, Lord. We just say that there will be signs and wonders and miracles. We will hear the testimonies from this stage that I'm standing on. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to show us your hand. hear Daniel about the three dogs. The reason we got them um, is because we're, y'all know we've been building a house and some of the things that have happened in the house we're in right now, I would have completely lost my mind if those things had happened in the new house. So they haven't done anything. I mean, Tim is going to come clean our carpet again tomorrow. Um, Tim, right there. (laughs) It's not terrible. It's just three. We added the third and the First two corgis were like settled, but the new, the Australian Shepherd, they don't like, they don't want him to be the alpha. And that's just, that's the way it's going to be. He's going to be the alpha. So I wanted to make sure, you know, I'm not cuckoo. I did have a plan in getting three puppies. <laughs> um, so, you know, what I really want to talk about today is how are we fully, really going to make it and experience the fullness of the Pentecost season. And, you know, we just went to Alabama with Chuck, and we were sitting at lunch with Aaron and um, Beverly and Kent Maddox, and I just was like, oh my God, all of a sudden I was like, I was like, give, forgive, and repent. That's, and I, you know, I want to see us break generational curses, walk in the fullness of what God's called us to, walk in signs, wonders, and miracles. When we talk about going into Pentecost, I really want this time for us to really move into it and experience the fullness of it because things are accelerating so fast that we, like, you remember that, what I was talking about, our, our stamina and our spirit you need to exercise your spirit. And you know what? Because it's real, it's exhausting. It is exhausting. It'll make you physically tired. But then, like, you know, I was telling someone recently, I say it a lot, actually. So when I go to Jerusalem now, I'm not just exhausted because my spirit has done all this exercise for 10 years there. So the thing about giving is this is the one thing I've not messed up on (laughs) since I've been saved is I remember when I and this is why it's so important forgive give and repent all of these things you you will not move into the next season you can move into it but not in its fullness without those things and you know a lot of my kind of ideas I developed about you know, watching people and the struggle they have with tithing. It did happen in Israel because I was there for 10 years. So that's part of my experience. But, you know, people will come to us often because we also have a non-for-profit there. They would come to us with um, bills, needs, you know, can't make it ends meet, which we love to do. Chuck does that here. We did it over there. We still do. But I remember, you know, sometimes you would ask, you could say, okay, do you tithe anywhere? 
And someone will say, oh, sure. You know, if somebody needs a coffee, I'll buy a coffee for them. Or, um, or like, you know, just someone needed help. And so I gave them a little. That is not tithing. <laughs> that is not tithing. <laughs> and it is real. I mean, and I know that if you're connected with this ministry, you're probably tithing. But there's some of you who are scared to or some of you who think you can't. I just want to tell you that's the devil's lie to keep you from being able to move into that place where you can break generational curses. And you can move into the fullness. I, you know, I've told y'all, y'all know this is my testimony. Back before um, when I was Catholic and I was a little girl, um, I would watch people put a dollar in the basket. My parents would hand me a dollar. So I just thought that was tithing. I just thought you're always just supposed to throw a dollar in there. One dollar. And, but then when I got saved and I hadn't read all the way through the word yet, no one had taught me about tithing, but I just thought, oh, I just want to give everything I've got. Um, to the church. So I'd wait tables. I worked at Olive Garden for two years. And when I'd make 100, I would just keep 10. And I would give 90 wherever. Eventually, I ended up here. So they were getting my $90 every time I came to church. (laughs) Or the $90 for that day. And then, you know, I got to do that for a full year. But when that shifted, say I babysat and I made $40, I would make sure I turned in my $4 here in the basket. And so when people say they don't have enough, I mean, it's 10%. I, I want to make sure, like, don't start running up in here and give money right now because that is not the point of what I'm saying. It's not an offering um, call or anything like that. I'm just, this is really important. This is really important so that we can move into everything God has for us, not just making it. We want to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> Elaine. <laughs> Amen. Um, I'm telling you, if you start to do that, you're going you're gonna to start to experience things like the doctor will send you a check and say, oh, you paid too much last time. Or you'll start, I mean, it'll be crazy the way that money starts to come in or lost money starts to be found. Now, now forgiveness. Now I would, I'm not a psychologist, doctor, anything like that, but I would guess, I can guess. I would guess that at least half of us in here have unforgiveness in our lives. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I know that when Daniel asked if you ever struggle with anxiety, like five people raise their hands, and I know for sure that is definitely not true. <laughs> um, Lily's sitting in here. Thank you, Lily. She's a teenager. You know, she's got other things. She would like to be with the other teenagers, but she's in here, and we're so proud of her. She had a hard year, but she is doing awesome, and we're just so proud of her. All these teenagers, I was thinking about something Daniel said. This is not about Lily. This is just teenagers in general. What Daniel was saying about, and it's like every time I hear of a 13-year-old lately, there is always some drug overdose or something. It's just endless. I'm sure y'all are hearing that too, right? It is endless. And I just want to put out there in the atmosphere. And I hope you've got some 13, 15, 9, 10. I don't care how old they are. Kids listening. I know that you're overwhelmed and you're confused, but that is not the way to figure things out. Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the answer. 
taking a bottle of Tylenol, that is not the answer. I can't believe how much I'm hearing this, that this is happening, that kids are doing this. It is such a demonic, just a demonic overload. What was it that Daniel said? What did you say? Oh, about breaking that curse or the confusion that's been put into yeah just a, a spirit of confusion just like in the word where it said it would throw this child into the fire that's yeah like yeah. what's happened in our generation well, and that's that's who they're trying to confuse is our children um but forgiveness here's a truth about it and forgiveness it's impossible to move into the next season with unforgiveness That's not like a rule. It's just because it keeps you trapped in an old season. And so, you know, I grew up in a very strange, hard household. There are a million stories I could tell you, but I'll just tell you one to kind of get like quick, just to kind of give you an idea. I remember when, for some reason in my life, one of my best friends was always there when something weird would happen, which I'm thankful for now because I know it wasn't cuckoo. There's always someone who saw it. My mom would just sometimes just lose it. And before you know it, she's chasing me around the house with a knife saying, I'm going to kill you because I know you stole my butter. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. This really stuff like that was normal for me and that happened. So it would be very easy to say, I can't forgive my mom. And I did that for a very long time. And then one day I could and it's, you know, with forgiveness, it's not always just a person you have to forgive. It's a circumstance. Yeah. It can be, I mean, it may not be anybody's fault that your leg got blown off in Afghanistan, but you still have to forgive the situation. You have to. And it's so that you can move into the next season. So if I don't want to forgive my mom, I can't move into the next season. Thank God I got past that. But then there's other things. I mean, we were in Israel for 10 years and there are things I didn't like that the way that me and Daniel handled things. I didn't like certain times. I didn't know, I didn't feel like Daniel was listening to me. And the Bible says that actually I'm going to make sure I give you the scripture because this is an important one. I, I, I'll talk all in a minute. Um, Proverbs 17, 9 says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Well, Daniel's my best friend. So there were things I was dwelling on from Israel that almost separated me from my best friend. And that's the last, and you can lose a lot of relationships, a lot of friends without for, forgive, with unforgiveness in your heart. And so I want to prosper. I, you know, when I, before I even got saved, this is funny that this was kind of, I was kind of, I was known for lots of things. I was known for being a little dingy, but I was also known for being a very good forgiver. My friends would say that. They would always say, Amber's the best forgiver. And when you're hearing that, you're like, what does that even, what, are they, what does that even mean? And you're like, she just forget, you forgive so easy. Well, over a long period of time, I became the opposite of what I was known for. I became a bad forgiver. And I started holding on to everything that happened. And I started rehearsing them in my mind. And I started saying, oh, Daniel, remember when those rockets blew up over our house? Well, I mean, post-traumatic stress disorder is real. It really is real. But for me, in some situations, it was linked with unforgiveness. Unforgiveness to maybe say Daniel or the situation. I was just mad at him that when I came back to America and the rockets blew over our house that he didn't come with me. I was still mad at him like last month for that. Y'all know that was a long time ago. So that's what unforgiveness does. And I do believe now post-traumatic stress is real because and if you've ever experienced this, when you've had a traumatic event, you end up going back to that moment and you're reliving it. I had a situation 
we were spending the night at Windstar. The next morning we had to be up really early. Windstar's only 10 minutes from our land where we're building our house. So I spend the night there sometimes so that it's just easier to get. I mean, this yesterday morning, Daniel had to be there at six in the morning in Oklahoma. It's just easier to stay out there. And um, so they had an alarm, a fire alarm that went off at like 12. So we're like really about to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> I ran down like, I think it was 25 flights of stairs in a sheet, in a sheet. <laughs> but I had that moment. It put me back. It was, I really, in that moment, believed I was running down stairs holding Lily and Elijah to get to a bomb shelter in Jerusalem. The siren sounds the same. It put me right back in that moment. But before that, Daniel and I were arguing about how I wished he had done that different and just come, so it all connected. And then I realized I had unforgiveness in me that was, I think sometimes post-traumatic stress is linked to unforgiveness. I do, I do. And so when I saw that, I thought, I want to move forward. I don't want to stay stuck and thinking about that and, and being held back in this old season, being held back in that season. I want to move into the fullness of what God has for me. I mean, I've been like, since I was, I said this when I shared Justin, the way we did this last video, I loved the style, which leads us to where I'm going to start a new show. I think I want to do just like 12. It's going to be um, called The Story Hour with Amber Pierce. And I loved the way Justin helped me do that. Um, and it was just a different style, so we're moving into doing that. That's coming next. Um, but I, don't, I said on there, I said, you know, all my life, so when I was a teenager, 20s, 30s, I would say, okay, when am I going to fully grow up? When am I going to fully mature? When am I going to stop messing up? And I, I promised myself, I was like, I will stop messing up, and I will not get any trouble anymore by the time I turn 33. <laughs> well, I'm 10 years older than that now, so. Um, but what I realized is we're going to be going through this forever. And then especially last Sunday when Leanne had that word for Chuck, that blew my mind about painting because that is something that we really talked about. So which he said he wanted to start painting several times. Pam has told him he's supposed to start painting several times. He's talked about it several times. And then finally, he got that word. So I know he's going to do it. But what that, that showed me was like, even at 70 years old, he's going to be there 70 next month. Even at 70 years old, as developed as he is, as many accolades, as accomplished, as anointed, as mature, I mean, he's been a father to people that are older than him. God still has things that he's even requiring on him to unlock the next level of, of what, I mean, he's probably going to go to another place in his prophetic gifting. He's going to go higher. He's going to go higher too. If that's, that's going to happen in him, <laughs> it can happen in us. It's going to happen in all of us. It must happen in all of us. We must go to our next level. We absolutely have to. We have to. Look at how, look at how, whenever Daniel was talking about what the world's saying and what we're saying, there are two different languages now. What's happening out there, what's even, I mean, even, and I, Okay, I'm a little political, but not really. But I mean, even Fox News doing that thing with Tucker Carlson, like, oh my gosh, you just have to go. 
This is insane. So, but we are not insane, and we're not going to let them make us insane. And we are going to say what God is saying, and we are going to defeat the works of the devil. In the end, there's all these things happening. But in the end, we, we do know who wins. We do know who wins. We know where he's at. We know who sits on the throne. We know who... We know that for a time the Antichrist will be there, but we know for sure that the Lord Jesus Christ will sit on that throne and he will rule and reign. I was just, I always think about how Jesus came to die for our sins, but he came to destroy the works of the devil too. He came to destroy the works of the devil before he came to, to die for our sins. He loved us so much. God loved us so much that he gave his only son for us, but he came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, everything is not under his feet yet, and he will not return until everything's under his feet. It's happening, but it's not yet, but it's getting close. So we cannot have unforgiveness. You have to forgive if somebody raped you. You have to forgive if your husband or wife left you for somebody else, cheated on you. You have to forgive if your little bitty baby died. You have to forgive the circumstance. Sometimes people say it's okay to be mad at God. I disagree. I don't think it's okay to be mad at God. I think that kind of became like, I hear people say that even in church circles. It's okay to be mad at God. If you're mad at God, you don't really know him. If you're mad at God, you don't have a relationship with him. I know... That God had nothing to do with Daniel Cohen taking his life in Jerusalem. Y'all know that's something that we're still walking through. God had nothing to do with that. I'm not mad at God because of what people said about me or people think about me. They did that to Jesus. Worse. Way worse. Way, way, way worse. None of us have any concept of how horrible that really was. What they put him through and the pain he went through. I mean, just thinking about all those places, those nerves running all the way through your body. I can't imagine that kind of pain. Oh, God. I just, if you're watching on the web and you have unforgiveness and you know where it is, and if you can't remember the moment, ask God to bring it, to, to bring it back to your memory. Because it is so crucial right now that we do not walk into Pentecost with unforgiveness. So this is going to be an interesting week. What are we going to do this week? Every single morning, you're going to thank the Lord for how far he has brought you. And every single morning, you're going to say, God, what else? Show me what else. Put your finger on the next thing that I need to forgive so that I can move forward in the fullness of everything that you have for me. Jesus said, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses, Matthew eleven twenty-five through 26. That is, I don't think that's God trying to punish you. Forgiveness is supernatural. Just like the way he created the world and he created us, that's supernatural. He actually did it, it's fact. 
but it's supernatural still. So forgiveness is supernatural because it really doesn't make sense to forgive a rape, to forgive a spouse who cheated on you, to forgive abandonment, to forgive your mom who left you, to forgive your dad who went to jail and couldn't take care of you. That doesn't make sense. It, it seems like we should not have to forgive, right? But it's supernatural. We have to. The fact that we have a Savior who died for our sins, who died for our sins, who died so that we could live in eternity with him. No matter what we do, you could kill somebody and then ask for forgiveness. And if you're really, really, truly repentant in your heart, you can still go to heaven. Did you know that? I mean, that, some people don't like to hear that, but it's true. It's the truth. There is not one thing God cannot forgive, not one thing he won't forgive. And the thing is, is it's not that he doesn't want to. It's just the way it works. <laughs> It's just the way it works. Just like how the sun comes up and the moon comes down, or comes up too. (laughs) Just like that. It's just the way it works. Forgiveness is supernatural, but it is paramount. You have to do this. The Bible says that the pure in heart will see God. I just asked Chuck, asked uh, Keith before you. I guess he's back there. I asked him, I was like, anything else? He said, well, the pure in heart say God. Well, you can't see him if you have unforgiveness. And you can't know him all the way. You can't know him fully. We're all getting to know him every day until we get there with him. But you can't know him. You can't see him if you have unforgiveness. If, you're, if, you're, if you can't forgive your brother or your sister, I mean, your little brother, your literal brother or sister, if you can't forgive a boss that you feel like wrongfully fired you. I could go on and on and on about forgiveness. I want to go back to giving. Here's a story, quick, short story. Because this stuff works. It works. I love to play cards. I've been playing cards since I was five. Some of you will judge me. I just use a little bit of money to play cards. (laughs) <laughs> but I have and I mean, a little bit, I'm conservative, but I've been playing when I, I grew up in South Louisiana. And so the dads and the uncles, it was so fun. They put us in our pajamas and we'd all go to my uncle's house and the um, grownups had their, t- their blackjack table. And then the kids, we had our little blackjack table and I was normally the dealer cause I'm the oldest kid. And um, we would play with like, I think we'd play with pennies or sometimes peanuts or, or whatever. So I just, one way that I can really relax is if I go to Windstar somewhere, play cards. I'm pretty good at it. I don't really lose a lot of money. I don't really win a lot of money. I'm just doing it for fun. But here's the thing. I tip those dealers, the card dealers, a lot. I, and people are like, how come you're winning? At the table, I'm like, It works. You got you to tip the dealer just like you got to tie the church. I say that at the card table. <laughs> you got to tip the dealer just like you got to tie the church. <laughs> you can't sit here and not give anything and think you're going to get something back. <laughs> so, giving. Forgiving, repentance. We repent, Robert has taught us, in great detail, and I'm so glad he has what that means. It means change of mind. So we're going to forgive, and then we're going to say, God, 
Change my ways, change my mind, change my heart. Don't let me go back that way. I don't want to go back that way. I don't want to go back being bitter. I don't want to go back not having forgiveness. I want to repent and I want to move forward. And I want you to, I want you to transform us into your image. I want to be transformed into the image of God. I want you to be transformed into the image of God. On the web, in the living room, we want you to be transformed into the image of God. I am so excited about this specific Pentecost. I'm so excited. We are going to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles. This conference this next weekend is going to be amazing. I believe we all have some work to do between now and the conference because every single day we are going to, I mean, I'm telling you also, another thing is Thanksgiving. When I got saved, if I had 25 cents in my car, I was in college, you know, I had 20, I'd say, oh, thank God, I can put that in my car and have a little bit more gas. Gas was cheaper then. But I mean, I remember once I got saved, I was like, oh Lord, I would just, but this is real. I'd be like, oh God, thank you for that tree. That tree is so pretty, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for that tree. Oh, I didn't know if I was going to be able to eat lunch today because I'm a college student. Somebody just gave me their food. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. It's amazing how thankful you are sometimes when you don't have as much and then you get so used to living in abundance and you're like, oh wait, I'm thankful for all of that too. So, this is a very important day. Do you believe it? It's a very important day. We are going to get free and we are going to move into the fullness of this next season. Let's, and you know what? Let's just, from that point, live in Pentecost. Let's live. (laughs) Elaine's one of my favorites. We actually don't talk that much, but I love her. (laughs) She adds so much. Daniel, would you come back up? Anyone who, on the worship team? Hello, Chad. I forgive you. (laughs) You forgive me? (laughs) We're like brother and sister. We have to forgive each other a lot. Me and Daniel, we forgive each other several times a day. Our little daughter, I'm so glad she's she's so beautiful. Would you just stand up, Lily? Please, you're so pretty. (laughs) So we are going to pray for you all. We want more of the worship team to come up. Because we're going to have a ministry time. Now, some of you, you know you're called to, you feel an anointing, you're called to minister. Let's all stand up right now. that there is something shifting for all of us today. You felt it in worship. You've sensed it with these messages. Now I want Daniel and Amber just to lead us and impart to us and let's enter in so when we're sent out of here today, we are sent out in to Pentecost.
to go into this ministry time, I want to just tell you the truth. There is nothing you've ever experienced. There is no pain you've been through, no grief you've been through that he doesn't understand. There is no, there's nothing that's been stolen enough. There's nothing wrong that's been done enough. He even understands the pain of the Holocaust. So if he can understand those pains, he knows our pains. So as we go into, I mean, I really, really believe every single person in this room and who's watching can get delivered of what I would say is real, like not just one thing that you don't, but just get delivered of unforgiveness in total unforgiveness to where you can easily just go and you forgive even if you don't get an apology. You forgive because think about how much he's forgiven us, how much God's forgiven us. I've done some really, I've said horrible things. God forgives me. Just think about how much he's forgiven you. He, he won't, I don't want to say he can't, he can do anything he wants. He won't because it's supernatural. He won't if you don't put it at his feet and forgive. Lord, I ask that you give each one of us a new measure of grace to be graceful, to be gracious, to walk in grace, to just let everything roll off of our backs, Father, and just walk in joy and walk in peace, Father. I ask that you you give us that as a gift for each one of us. In Jesus' name. So key. I see one thing as Amber and Daniel have ministered to us. Some of you have the hardest time forgiving yourself for a mistake you've made. Now, if that's you, I want you to get somebody to pray for you right now next to you. Lift your hand. If you feel like you can't really forgive you for some mistake, you're not going to be able to move into all the Lord has for you. Now, Lord, I loose this right now. People all over here, See, I I listened to people and I thought, always go back to, there's something in them they can't forgive about themselves. Now, if that's you, I want you, right now, if you see a hand up, you go right now, wherever you are, and you pray over them. Amber said something else about forgiveness. Look at the word. Everything you have is for giving. Now, I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. Everything you have. When God gave me a revelation of that, there is nothing I don't have that I won't give. Everything I have is for giving. Every dollar, 
See, a lot of people, they won't let go of what they have and they really never enter into the joy of giving. That's what the Lord told me this week. He said, just go to give, go give to others that have need more than what you have. Now, Father, I loose a new anointing of giving in us. See, that was the whole key to the books, book of Acts. They had all, they brought everything they had, made it in common, and therefore they had no wants. Look at all of us in this room and all of you on the web. Look at what all we have. We are a resourceful people. Put your hand on somebody and say, we have gotten so much we can let go of. Therefore, we don't have to fear lack. Now break the fear of lack. Fear of lack. Right now, I tell it to go at this Pentecost. See, Pentecost is the opposite of fear of lack. I can't think of one thing that I have that is not for giving. If you look at your life like that, It'll change. And anytime I start getting messed up some way, I have to relook at what I have for giving. And be willing to give. I always give a portion to somebody that's more legitimate than I. And then I look for people I can buy coffee for and meals for. Now, Father, I loose this message. You can feel the presence of God working in us right now. One of the things I had to deal with this year is because... I have given up, Pam and I have given our retirement up numerous times. Just something that became a way of life starting at 10 years of our marriage. And periodically the Lord will just require it of us to let go of it because we get in a place, I know that if I don't let go of it, what needs to be released won't get released because I'm really letting go of the control of my future. The minute I did that, two weeks ago, Leanne gave me a word. You heard Amber talk about it, paint a new picture. See differently. See, there's something about letting go. It's more important for you to have air conditioning this summer from, than for Pam or I to retire five years from now. You see, you have to think like that. 
as they were slapping those air conditions up there. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it won't hurt us really to sweat, but the Lord's saying, no, I'm requiring you to make it nicer for people. Now hear me. When you start allowing these three words of giving, forgiving, and repentance to be your guide every day, Pentecost will explode in your life. Let's lift our hands. Father, I loose this. This message today, Lord, some way or another, it penetrated us. The circumstances, looking deep into every circumstance, looking at what we have and moving into the next dimension. Father, thank you for the anointing. Thank you for your spirit that's here penetrating us. Now, Father, we ask you right now, let a new wind blow on us. Let a Pentecost wind begin to blow right now. Let a Pentecost wind begin to blow right now. Fire and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates, let heaven on in. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Fire and wind. Fire and wind. Come and do it again. Open up the gates. Let heaven open. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Fire and wind. Come and do it again. Open up the gates. Let heaven open. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Fire and wind, come and do it again. Open up the gates, let heaven on in. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Now I want you to just reach up. I want you to decree when you're sent out into Pentecost that fire and wind will rest on you again. Look at somebody and say, you are going to have fire and wind on you again this week. Now let's thank God for the words that have come forth today. Let's thank God for the anointing that's been here. Now bless someone and say, fire and wind, rest on you again.